Some of you don't know the name, but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Transformers the last night. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Writer and director of Big Night. Hello and welcome to another Standing Stanley Tucci. I'm doing my Polly Shore impression. Major Flamage. Tucci edge. Hey guys, I'm David. I'm Hannah, and we're talking about the worst movie ever made today. Not even close, Hannah. Oh, I mean, we've, we've done worse movies for, you know, for other podcasts. It's just the worst Tucci film so far. Um, this, it was barely <laughs> watchable. Ugh. No, yeah. It, it, Pauly Shore is not famous for making watchable movies. He's famous <laughs> for making movies that were annoying to the older generations and thus were endearing to the MTV generation. You know, the disillusioned Gen X slacker stoner generation. And, I mean, this movie is, I think, a perfect encapsulation of 1995's youth energy uh, <laughs> or, or comedy energy. I mean, like, Polly Shore is obviously not a youth in this movie. No. no. But he uh, he's embodying... That slacker, uh, Gen Xer aesthetic. Yeah, and I mean, like, this is just not a movie that holds up to current standards as far as uh, you know racism and sexism. Well, okay, yeah, and, obviously. Like, I mean, nineteen ninety-five, Hannah. Nineteen ninety-five. I mean, there are some things made in nineteen ninety-five that I think you could yeah, still watch today, but, but not like... made by Polly Shore. <laughs> Anyway, so we're doing jury duty. Um, So this is a film which I assume was written and created and conceived entirely around the O.J. Simpson arrest and trial. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know for sure. The premise is essentially, what if in 12 Angry Men, the the juror was Polly Shore... And yeah. was therefore the most annoying, stupid man on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's a decent it's premise. Terrib- <laughs> is, it, is it a good premise? I think it's the kind of premise that would inspire someone like Stanley Tucci, a fan of the theater, to, uh, to come on board. You know, 12 Angry Men is, you know, one of the great American plays. Uh, yeah. Obviously, for those of you who don't know the story... Um, it's set entirely in uh, the deliberation of a, a, a set of jurors, the 12 Angry Men, uh, as they are all convinced that this young boy is guilty and should be put to death for this murder. But only one juror stands up and says, maybe, maybe there's reasonable doubt. And he convinces everyone else in the room that there is reasonable doubt. And then the play ends with them, you know, thanking him for, you know, his service to America uh, for saving this this boy's life. Now, imagine if that guy, instead of being this great orator and rhetorician and, you know, brilliantly convincing, uh, was just like an annoying guy stalling for as long as possible because he wants the $5 check that comes with, uh, with being... A juror. Well, also the really nice uh, hotel room too. Right. Yeah. He he ends up in a swanky hotel. 
So, uh, where does uh, the Tooch come into all this, Hannah? He is a fellow juror. Right, yeah. But is this a a, a minor role for the Tooch? Another sort of background, like, uh, character, like he had back in the Pritzy's Honors days? Yeah, I was I was really worried going into it because like he really is he doesn't get a lot of spotlight. It's mostly just Polly Shore. Right for the, the first hour the and fifteen minutes, minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's a grand realization. <laughs> I think you mean Disney twist villain, David. There's a Disney twist villain. Although this is not a Disney film, uh, in fact, no. Polly Shore had a had a falling out with Michael Eisner over him uh, canning a project he wanted to work on and forcing him to be in a project that made him cut his hair. Um, so this is this is uh, one of Shore's first non-Disney projects. Uh, yeah, it's it's not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Tucci but... is a Disney twist villain in the style of Hans from uh, Frozen, Frozen or, you know, any number of other... Disney Turns out ones. he was the murderer. Uh, right. The, the whole one time. you would least expect, which is why the environmentalist in a, David. Right, and I think thought it was super interesting because he comes on and he's playing this nebbishy sort of everyman. He's kind of an environmentalist, but like he's not super well defined, and he's kind just like playing a very non Tucci like character. Tucci characters are either like scumbag loser, like you know, coming in and, and, you know, begging for money or love or something, or mm-hmm. they're, like, uh, fancy rich guy, like, mob bosses or criminals or, you know, sometimes just, like, snooty, wealthy, charismatic guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy is, like, the opposite of everything Tucci has been cast in so far. It was... It was fun to see him, though, in this, like, sort of new paradigm. Like, yeah, as, with the round, as... uh, you know, turtle shell, tortoiseshell glasses, <laughs> um, and the, yeah. <laughs> he's, it's interesting, though, because he's Shabby doing, clothes. like, he's doing a voice for this one, too. You know, he's, he's sort of talking a little bit like this, and a little bit higher register than he's normally right. in. He's just going for full nebbish, and then... When the reveal happens and we find out that he is uh, the murderer who had snuck onto the into the juror, it uh, snuck into the jury in order to nudge the um, nudge the verdict towards guilty for this patsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find out that he's really you know the criminal. And he, like, drops down into a much lower register, switches into his, you know, I mean, it could practically be, like, uh, you know, one of his mob roles from his early TV things. Because it's over the top, but it's... It's very cartoony. Um, and I think some of that is the direction. You know, I don't think oh, he yeah. would have necessarily played it up quite as much left to his own devices. Right. I um, mean, half of his shots are the camera will, like quick zoom into him or, or even like you know dolly in on his face uh just like really weird uh shot composition to like highlight his ridiculous performance um yeah yeah so Which i think he does uh it seems like he has a fun time with it yeah so i wanted to sort of go through from the you know start back at the beginning and and run through a couple of interesting 
moments and and sort of describe the setup because it is sort of surreal and I know no one is going to watch this film. Do not do not watch this film. <laughs> um so you know the film opens on them arresting this serial killer who's like a uh, he 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 only targets like fast food restaurants and they arrest him and then it cuts to like the scene out of Magic Mike where Polly Shore is working as a male stripper at a place called IHOB, the International House of Beefcakes. And the joke is, he's not sexy because he's playing a milkman. Or, uh, in other words, he's the cream machine. Yeah. Which is gross. It's very gross. Um, and then there's like a transphobic joke where like, uh, you know, a deep voiced woman, uh, asks him out, you know, she's the only one who's interested. And then he goes like, uh, it's gross. And I'm like, not exaggerating how not a performance this is. (laughs) Like maybe, I guess it's a performance, but I wouldn't call it acting. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's just transphobia someone decided to film but he's not even like going like like he's not like doing acting he basically is no he's just going like (laughs) but like that's his like understated poly shore bullshit that's what i'm saying is it's so understated like his comedy it's not like you know, if Adam's if Adam Sandler were in the role, for example, or mm-hmm. um, I don't Jim Carrey, like mm-hmm. they would at least make a meal out of that reaction, mm-hmm. uh, even if it is a transphobic reaction. You know, Jim Carrey has a similar role in one of his right. a similar joke in one of his movies, yeah. uh, and he at least makes a meal out of the reaction. So it's like something entertaining to watch i don't know I've, uh, i'm i'm focusing on this particular joke because it was just my first real exposure to Polly shore's <laughs> non-acting acting got it um, um yeah so you know he goes home to his mom who he lives with in a trailer right. park and she's and the soundtrack they're getting the soundtrack comes <laughs> on, so the only good part of the movie though <laughs> but it's i don't even know if i get it like what they're I going for. I don't get for. it either. It doesn't so, make any sense. So this song comes on and it's called Sweet Soul Review. It's a Japanese song uh, by it's a, a group Japanese called pop the Pizzicato song. Five. And it's just like a poppy sort of late 60s kind of Japanese song. It it literally sounds like an anime opening. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It's my favorite part of the movie. They also end the credits uh, right. with that But there's no like... Song references other than just like a few racist jokes about asian people to japan no there's right there's no one japanese in this film like Polly shore's character whose name is tom collins by the way like so funny like the drink like a tom collins Uh. um but yeah it's (laughs) so like he has no like japanese obsession that would justify that song coming on it comes on and then it just cuts off in the middle it's totally insane. There's no explanation for it. So I, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, no, the song is incredible. Um, but right, so, you know, we're home. He's a slob. He's jobless, you know, and just a lot of jokes at the expense of working class people. <laughs> Poor people, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so his mom and her boyfriend go to Vegas to get married, and they take the trailer, and so right. they're like, 
you gotta find a place to live, or you can stay with the neighbors, where it's more working class and ableist jokes. Ha <laughs> ha! So good. Right, now, her his mom is actually played by uh, Hollywood actress Shelley Winters, who you, know, you might know as um, Lolita's mother in Lolita, the yeah. Stanley Kubrick version. Like, she's a very famous actress, and this was actually her last on-screen performance. I'm so sorry for her. I know. <laughs> like, how would you feel? And also is the last performance of uh, Billy Bird, who plays one of the, the jurors. So, like, for two people, the last film they were ever in was Polly Shore's Jury Duty. Um, I also noticed that, um, you know, Shelley Winters' character's fiancé... I, I think they're trying to do, like, a reference to The Graduate. I may be giving them too much credit. But he, he's so. obsessed with polystyrene. So, like, yeah. these non-recyclable styrofoam containers. Um, and he, like, goes up to, you know, Polly Shore, who's like, I don't have any career goals or prospects. I'm a loser. You know, I dropped out of high school, whatever. Uh, and then he's like, the thing that's going to be the future, polystyrene. So it's sort of like... Dustin Hoffman's character being told about plastics. So, yep. like, I don't know. It's like there's almost writing going on, but there isn't. There's no writing. Yeah, no. Uh, just just references and, and jokes at the expense of poor people. Um, yeah. So anyway, so since they take the trailer to to go get married, to, you know, the they take the mobile home to go get married, now Polly Shore is homeless for a week. And so... Right. But he, he got a letter. Duty. <laughs> exactly. He got a letter about jury duty where they house you uh, and give you $5 a day. Right. And so he, right. he went. Which I don't know if we said specifically that he got fired from his job stripping by Andrew Dice Clay, who is <laughs> uncredited in the, in the film. I think because he just sort of got asked on to set by Polly. Like, they probably know each other. They probably get along. Um... Andrew Dice Clay, everybody! <laughs> um, and that's his, he plays his Uncle Sal. And then it's like, he also has an Uncle Morty who's a bus driver. Like, he, he gets off a bus and he's like, thanks for the ride, Uncle Morty. And I'm like, what is the joke here? Like, is the joke that they're not really, like, his uncles? Or or is the joke that poor people have a lot of family? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, that's when the Tucci shows up, and he's going around asking everybody, "Hey, trying, trying to get out of jury duty, <laughs> trying to get out of jury duty, trying to get out of," because he's trying to get somebody to switch with him, who's going yeah. to be on this case, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and he would take their identity because you can't just get on jury duty, you can't just volunteer yeah. to be a juror. Yeah, doesn't doesn't work that way. Um, and then there's a joke, which I think is why the whole movie exists, or it was added in late in shooting. But Polly Shore goes, look, it's the juice. Run, OJ, run. Because OJ was on trial when this film came out, because it was like greenlit production probably right when he got arrested and there was that low speed chase. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that for a fact. <laughs> I just know this that OJ your... jokes were huge in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, so, you know, he he 
worms his way out of cases that look to be pretty short because he wants to stay for as long as possible. Right. Uh, An annoying montage ensues. Yeah. He gets on the the serial killer case. They go to the hotel. They think right. it's going to be nice. He, he, right, he takes bad. a bus to the hotel and he starts doing like stand up on the bus to no to no effect <laughs> on the audience or on the bus patrons, the other jurors. Yeah. So he can see all of the jurors, but we're still going to like pretend like he didn't know that his high school principal was sitting like right there, like in the shot. But yeah. then later, when they're put in the same room together in the hotel, he he's going to be like, Principal Beasley, what? <laughs> like, you saw him. <laughs> I mean, he's an idiot. So, like, I Okay, fully... fair enough. But then why would he recognize him later? He was close enough. Okay. And you may notice that the principal, Principal Beasley, is played by Richard Riley, who's had two Tucci connections before this. Uh, in Prelude to a Kiss, he was the old man's son-in-law. Uh, and in The Public Eye, he played Officer O'Brien, uh, yep. who has the weird line about, uh, I don't know, something about taking photos of a dead guy's dicks. Um <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh that's Richard Riley continuing his uh his bizarre and varied career. Uh he has a very like uh identifiable voice now. I feel like I'm going to So identifiable. I feel like I'm going to hear it everywhere. Um mm-hmm. another identifiable voice is Brian Doyle Murray who yes. you know I know as uh, Captain Knuckles from the the misadventures of Flapjack and uh, mm. as the Flying Dutchman from SpongeBob, um, but you know you may know him from his like other TV roles. He he's just got this like really iconic sort of scratchy voice, um, and he plays like a, a hot tub salesman or something. I don't know. I don't know. He's just like a generally it's... rich guy who, in a well written script, would have you know required different kinds of convincing in the trial, you know, to be convinced that this guy wasn't guilty. But in this movie, he's just there to be Brian Doyle Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any other stars that you uh, recognized in this jury? Yes, there was, um, oh my goodness, what is her name? It's the mom from Holes. The mom from Holes is the redhead. The mom from Holes is the redhead. Yeah, it's um, Shoban or... or Siobhan. Siobhan something. <laughs> She's got one of those Irish names. Um, I, I also noticed uh, Tia Carrera, um, who mm. is Nani from, uh, from Lilo and Stitch. That's why I recognized her voice. Okay. Yeah, so she's the love interest, Monica, who is... You know, obviously going to, at first, be put off by Polly Shore's antics, but then come to respect him, only to have that respect taken away when you find out he was only lying about caring about the case, and then to regain the respect when he solves the crime, and then kiss him in the final scene. So, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's pretty by the books. I mean, there's just no, like, extra effort done here. So like for any of it. While I think that the concept like could have been a good movie with a different actor and a different writer and a different director, like I think the concept itself of like 
what if it's 12 angry men but stupid? Like, that could be funny. But it wasn't. <laughs> um, so that was it. I'd say, you know, if I have to pick a, a whomst we also for this one, uh, I, I think I'd, I probably would say uh, Brian Doyle Murray, you know. I, I think he's a swell guy. They're all, like, good character actors. I mean, who don't have, like, huge careers, but who just, you yeah. know, you recognize them. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Do you have a whomst we also? Um, I mean, I think Richard Riley is, like, becoming a mainstay <laughs> of this of Yeah, this He's a very entertaining like high to. school principal. I like him in that role. He's just, he's just got such a good voice. He's, he's great. You know, hopefully he hasn't said something <laughs> yeah, terrible. But definitely props to, to Tia Carrera, if I'm pronouncing that right. Okay, moving on. Oh, wait, I forgot about the real whomst we also, Dick Vitale. <laughs> Dick Vitale is a basketball announcer and former basketball coach. And then they have him come on to do court TV, but he just announces it like it's a sports game or like a, you know, a boxing match or something. Uh-huh. And he's like, this, <laughs> you can't, I can't even do a Dick Vitale, but he comes on and he does like this guy. He's got he's got two wins, two losses. He's not you know it's an even fight, and then his like head inexplicably explodes. <laughs> I forgot about that. I did forget it's, about that. It's just like a random cutaway gag that has nothing to do with anything. Um, yeah, it's it's right. like it's very Family Guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a running gag that the pr- the principal Richard Riley listens to loud self help tapes, which frustrates Polly Shore because he can't sleep with that self help crap on. I don't know. Yeah. I assume in the script originally he was snoring loudly, and then someone was like, "Let's punch this up for the '90s." Um, what's 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 annoying in the '90s? And it's like self help. Well, tapes. I feel like Polly Shore's character, you know, he's like slacker number one so like self-help oh man that's i don't want that (laughs) right um anyway so he eventually gets to switch rooms in the hotel by agreeing to advertise the hotel on tv uh Mm -hmm. it's very silly uh oh we never mentioned that he has a dog named peanut this whole time who's like a little rat dog um to do silly 90s dog things yeah like beethoven all over again yeah. Um, right. So, you know, there's a long, long montage of him basically holding the jury up once the trial finishes. Right. And, like, and disturbing we, we the trial. Court- it's, right. it's all we done get- in montage because there's no, like, no one wants to actually sit down and write a scene. <laughs> like, that's the real problem is, like, it's so yeah. ADHD that, like, no one can just sit down and be like, all right. Now we're going to write a scene with dialogue where he tries to keep the trial dragging on as long as possible and they're trying to keep it moving. It's just like yeah. them like torturing him and saying like, vote guilty! And it's like, yeah, you guys are worse than he is at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very dumb. Uh, and then eventually, you know... Tia Carrera's character is like, listen, I was with you at first, but you haven't made one good point. You better, you better make a good point tomorrow or, or else. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh shoot, guess I better make a good point. 
Right, well, no, he then starts, like, um, he then starts quoting 12 Angry Men, which is on TV. Yes. In order to convince her that he really does care about, you know, getting this guy off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, that's the point where he dresses in drag to have a conjugal visit with the defendant, the, the supposed serial killer. Yeah. And then they do, like, multiple jokes about, like, he wants to have sex with a man. That's yeah. funny. Well, at first he doesn't want to have sex with a man, but then later he's like, eh, why not? So then he comes in the next day, and he just comes in and he's like pointing out that all of the evidence was either circumstantial or profiling. Yeah. Because they didn't want to write an actual case that could be convincing, and why they wouldn't have seen certain evidence as being reliable or whatever you know Mm -hmm. it's not about their biases it's just literally like every single witness they had was like well he said he was gonna kill me the day before yeah and then and then i assume he went and killed and like oh yeah he fits the profile and it's like Mm -hmm. yeah well if all the evidence is circumstantial of course there's a reasonable doubt you're not going to sentence that guy to death yeah so, you know, he's Even if they did, convinces... there'd be a mistrial and there'd be, like, a, an appeal, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a horribly built law drama. <laughs> yeah, they didn't They didn't really make an effort in that regard, but, you know. No. Uh, but Frank but, is know, just like... there to be like, well, who, if, if not this guy, then who committed the crime? And then being like, that's pro Bastarous, you know, like really overselling every line. So that's yeah. that's Tucci doing that. Yep, and you know, again, been dropping hints the whole time. Like you know, each of the jurors kind of has yeah. like their own quirk, gimmick. So right, their own gimmick. Um, like one of them is a pregnant woman. One yeah. of them knits. One of them is like a Guido. Uh, yeah, another one is. Um, uh, like an immigrant, you know. Yeah. Like, there's all like. And he's like, I'm so grateful to be in this American justice system. Um, you know that kind of thing. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Frank slash Tucci's thing is that he likes recycling. He's an environmentalist, and he thinks polystyrene is going to destroy the planet. Mm-hmm. Um. So they they get the the guy off because all of the evidence was circumstantial, <laughs> and uh, and then while uh, but but not before Peanut accidentally leads Monica back to you know uh, Polly Shore's fancy room, so she realizes, oh my God, you're not really a man of justice, you're Polly Shore. <laughs> Yeah, and so, you know, of course, it's revealed, there's a mistrial, everybody goes home, but then, you know, he's he's suddenly caught up in all of the justice and, like, seeing it through, yeah. and then he realizes, oh my god, because his, his father, or, well, his father, his mom's his boyfriend, his stepdad, comes back and is like, son, we're gonna go picking, and then they go find polystyrene. They go polystyrene. Pick some polystyrene, and he realizes all of the restaurants... The fast food restaurants where people were murdered had polystyrene cups and plates and all these other things. And he's like, it's about non-recyclables. I figured it out. And so he calls Monica, and Monica, of course, doesn't believe him. And then he calls the Tooch because he's like, he loves no, non-recyclables. 
he shows up at the Tooch's house, but the Tooch has conveniently just arrived to kill the guy whose identity he stole. Exactly. Yeah. So it can't be traced back to him. I guess. Right. I feel like that guy... But, I mean, think about it. If, If Tom Collins had shown up to that house and gone in and seen the guy that he thought was Frank... The guy who isn't Frank lives in Frank's house. He would be mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. So you're telling me this other guy impersonated you? And then he'd go find him. So mm-hmm. it's actually a really good thing that he was going to kill this guy because it would have been traced back to him. But he was in the middle of killing the guy. Yeah, of course. And so Polly, Polly Short entirely ignores this. Um, right, because he's an idiot. And, and so they go to the idiot. library to visit Monica because, you know, they're all getting the gang back together, but Tucci wants to go see her because he wants to kill both of them because they're the only two people who know he did it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he pulls out a gun and then ties them up to slice them up with a fancy knife. And it's like, why would he do that? <laughs> yeah, why not just kill them the same way that you just kill shoot everybody them. else? Yeah. Uh, but that's okay because he calls Peanut to come help him, but Peanut gets stopped because Jeopardy is on. And the dog likes Jeopardy. But then Jeopardy goes to commercial break. (laughs) And so the dog does save them. And this is the second time that Stanley Tucci was a villain who was mauled by dogs. (laughs) Yeah. It's great because you can definitely tell that dog was just thrown at him and like... (laughs) He had to catch it right. and, like, fall over very dramatically. Right. I don't even know if that would fly by today's standards. They would have had to do it CGI. Not. Anyway. <laughs> um, so then they, they kill him because he gets some asbestos dust in his face. And he freaks out and screams like a little girl. Because he's And then they push him off a ledge. And then they're like, ha Shows you for being a psycho-environmentalist. Yeah. Um, and then this is actually like a punchline that I think is kind of funny because it cuts to, it cuts to like the big award ceremony that they have in like every movie for like the mm-hmm. heroic acts that Pauly Shore has done, and they have this giant check for him, and you think it's gonna be like a lot of money, and it's five dollars, five dollars for doing an extra day's worth of jury duty. <laughs> so like as a punchline for the whole movie, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I I liked that one. Um, You know, of course, he's making out with Monica, and then he he decides that, you know, instead of being the cream man, or whatever he was before... The cream Now he's... The cream... He's gonna be a judge, and he does stripping as a judge, but it's still terrible, but apparently he makes enough money to go to law school. That's... that's (laughs) Right, and then Peanut wins at Jeopardy. (laughs) Yeah. And they play that... That song again, <laughs> the uh, the Japanese uh, song. Soul Review. Sweet right? Soul Review. Yeah. Bizarre. Um, so yeah, I don't movie. think Tucci would look back fondly on this role, Mm-mm. but I think it is a stepping stone like so many of these films before. Uh, you know, this is showing a range that Tucci has not shown previously. Really at all. I mean, he's played some characters who are a little bit more nebbishy, but not quite this over-the-top cartoony, nebbishy, Mm -hmm. whatever. 
And then the fact that he can do the flip. And he can go from Nebishi to criminal. You know, obviously he was cast as villain because Italians in the 90s often get cast as villains. Well, also his filmography to this point, he's been like a mob guy. He's been Beethoven, you know, like... You're absolutely right. And he's a, yeah, he's a cartoony villain who can get mauled by a dog on exactly. camera. That's in his special <laughs> skills on his resume. But <laughs> fast forward to Tucci News. Guys, the biggest of news that everyone should care about a lot because everyone cares about the Emmys a lot. Yeah, uh, we love the Emmys. Tucci won an Emmy. This is what will be his, uh, his fourth Emmy, I believe. Um, yeah, he has four Emmys, ten nominations to date, uh, and this is his fourth, obviously for, uh, Outstanding Hosted Nonfiction Series or Special 2021 for Stanley Tucci Searching for Italy on CNN. Uh, we've been talking about this show for a while, it's gotten huge, uh, praise for its, you know, just delightfulness, and for him specifically as a host. And now he's got an Emmy. Um, yep. Not a lot of people paying attention to the Emmys this year, other than the you know standard hashtag Emmys so white, and Tucci obviously contributes to that because he beat out um, Oprah, who had a, you know the the special where she interviewed the royal couple, um, yeah. and then also beating out um, what was the name of that show, um, United Shades of America with W. Kamau Bell. Um, so, yeah, shame on you, Tucci, for, for beating out, uh, <laughs> nominees of color. But also, we're here to stand, so, yes. <laughs> go, go Tucci. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the Emmys last year, I think, were overshadowed by COVID, and the Emmys this year were overshadowed by nothing, <laughs> because <laughs> nobody cares about the Emmys. <laughs> but, um... You know, we're still proud of you, Tooch, and uh, we hope you get many more awards in the future. Um, yeah. You know, the Oscar snubbed you last year, but you'll, you'll get that Oscar. I know it. Oh, yeah. We, we believe in you. And, uh, anything else to say about uh, <laughs> about the Emmys or any, any excerpts you want to read from any of these... Uh these pieces or anything um i just want to say that every emmy should go to tucci for the rest of time because that's <laughs> right well then logic. it'd be emmy's so tucci hashtag emmy's so i tucci. i i think we as a culture maybe need to accept emmy so tucci you know right. it's time well he, he also beat out david letterman who uh you know is not a real person anymore and it's just a cartoon <laughs> character um and he beat out vice and then it says that he was not there to present the award or to accept the award because obviously he's in the UK. He's in the UK, stranded still. The same reason he couldn't take that role uh, with the, the earlier in the year. Um, but he had pre-recorded remarks. Um, but it also came with this uh, revelation that he had battled cancer three years ago, which I didn't know. Oh. Um, so he talked about struggling with that disease and he talked about having to use a feeding tube um and his you know his treatment but um yeah i mean he kept that uh, that silent um i mm-hmm. guess because he thought it would affect his roles or affect his perception in, in the public mm-hmm. eye um and yeah. it's becoming i think increasingly common for celebrities to sort of keep their illnesses private um mm-hmm. you know it's none of 
our business, really. But mm-hmm. he's also coming clean about it, I think, partially in the wake of, like, Norm MacDonald and all these things, because we're, you know, you want to raise awareness and uh, and raise money for, for cancer treatment as well. Well, so. Chadwick Boseman, too. Like, yes. Did he die of cancer? Yeah. I can't remember. I believe so. Um, yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah, I think that that's sort of, like, a downer way to end it, but... You know, congrats to Tucci on the award, and we look forward to seeing more Searching for Italy uh, from you in the future. Yeah, and hopefully next week's Tucci or the next Tucci we watch will not be nearly as tedious as this. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 <